evening. I hope you're all doing well. We are in the fifth part of our series on families. And in this series, we're going to be focusing on how to make the most of and glorify God in our time with our families, especially our extended families. So, uh, so far, we've looked at conflict. We've looked at unforgiveness. We've looked at establishing boundaries. And we've looked at toxic personalities and um, how to interact with those folks and so much more. We've covered quite a bit uh, in our series up to this point. Now, tonight, uh, we're going to go really deep in what I consider to be an especially difficult part of our study. We're going to be spending time um, looking at how to interact with unbelieving members of our families and how to, more importantly, uh, be a Christian witness and hopefully um, help them take a step closer to Christ. Now, um, this can be a really difficult topic, I, I think, for a lot of people for a lot of various reasons. Uh, for instance, um, we love our families very dearly. They're very near our hearts. Uh, we want the best for them. And the thought of anyone that we know um, dying apart from Christ and going into eternity in that lost state is, uh, for many people, just too painful uh, for us to think about. Um, but unfortunately, and that's a situation that many of us find ourselves in. Many of us have unbelieving parents, uh, unbelieving siblings, maybe unbelieving children. Uh, and the fact that these people who are so near and dear to our hearts um, are living apart from Christ and may spend eternity apart from him, uh, make this a very emotional topic um, to, to get into. But I think it's something that a lot of people are wanting to hear, and so that's one of the reasons why we're going to be covering it uh, here this evening. Now, another reason this topic is so difficult uh, is because many of us have tried at some point in some ways uh, to share Jesus uh, with these people, uh, and it didn't go particularly well. Some of you have tried uh, to have gospel conversations only to be accused of being judgmental or being a Bible thumper or um, thinking that you're better than others, being a religious zealot, whatever uh, the, the term or label they uh, they want to throw your way. Um, they may oftentimes attribute false motives to you that um, the only reason you're you're doing that is to feel good about yourself or because you think you're better than everyone else or whatever it may be. Um, many of you have experienced awkward moments, um, the cold rebuff or the, perhaps the outright hostility that some people uh, throw your way when you try to share Christ with them. Uh, those things are never pleasant to experience and often uh, it's enough to keep people from ever trying to share their faith again. And if, if all that wasn't uh, enough, then there is the fact that our families oftentimes know us better than a lot of other people. Uh, they've seen us uh, when we blow our tops, when um, we slip up with our words. They've often seen us at our worst. And uh, that all makes it really difficult and awkward at times when we try to talk about Christ. Oftentimes, uh, because they know a lot of those um, past um, moments in our life when we were not living Christ-like, or maybe before we got saved, uh, they can um, think that we're, we're acting like hypocrites or whatever it may be. Now, while I can't remove every obstacle that stands in your way of sharing Christ with your family members, I would like to try and address some of the biggest traps and misconceptions that tend to trip up uh, well-meaning Christians who try to share 
um, Christ with their family members. And so I hope that uh, this evening our, our discussion will be profitable for you, be a blessing to you uh, as we think through this idea of, of sharing Christ with family members. Now, the first thing I want to go ahead and put out there and um, and make sure that we're all on the same page with is the, the fact that salvation is God's work. Now, this is really important. I know that may sound very obvious uh, to many people, but um, you would be surprised at how many people I've talked to uh, who maybe they don't say that um, it's their job to, to save people, but they at least act as though they go through uh, and, and take on most of the responsibility of someone accepting Christ on their own shoulders. And we need to remember at the very start that salvation is something that only God can do. I know a lot of people uh, come to me to talk to their family members or their friends or their neighbors, and they think that, well, if, if Pastor Jim or Pastor Daryl will come and, and share the gospel, you know, they, they know the gospel better. They know the Bible better. They'll be able to answer those questions. They'll be able to do, do X, Y, or Z better than, than, than anyone else. And so I want to get the pastor or a Sunday school teacher or a deacon to come and do those things. You know, a lot of people just feel like they're not um, up to the task. They're not uh, equipped enough to do those things. But we need to remember, whether it's me, Pastor Darrell, a Sunday school teacher, deacon, whoever it may be, it's not about us. It's not about you. It's not about your abilities, your giftedness, your knowledge, or anything else. I can't save anyone. Pastor Darrell can't save anyone. No one can save another human. Salvation is a work that only God can do. We we are broken vessels. We we are marred. We we are are um, tainted by sin, and it's only by God's grace that He uses any one of us to lead someone else to Christ. And so we need to understand first and foremost, if someone ever gets saved, it's because of what God did. It's not your words, however good or poor they were. It's not your actions, however good or poor they are. It's all God. And so take your eyes off yourself. Take your eyes off that other person and fix your eyes on God. If that person is ever going to get saved, it's going to be because God is working in their heart. And God may use you or God may use someone else, but it's going to be God who does the work. So that's really important. Now, really closely related to this idea of salvation uh, being God's work and not our work is uh, the important understanding that God is already working uh, in the life of that person. I want you to go ahead and, and throughout our discussion for tonight, I want you to fix in your mind um, uh, a family member, whoever it is that may be apart from Christ, they may even call themselves a Christian, but you can look and see that there's no fruit in their life. And, and I want you to keep the, that person in your mind. Now, in that person, uh, in that person's life, God is already working. Now, he can be working through you. He can be working through other people. He may be working through circumstances and situations that that person is going through. Maybe they're going through some hardships, some difficulties. Maybe they're doing some soul searching on their own. Whatever it may be, God is already working in that person's life. And he may um, allow you the opportunity and the privilege and blessing of being a part of that person's story of coming to Christ. But just know that it's God's work and God is already working. Okay. Um, there, there are numerous examples throughout Scripture of God already working in the life of individuals long before another person comes into their life to share 
Christ or share the gospel with them. Um, one of the, the great examples that I love is uh, Har um, Rahab, the harlot, uh, who lived in Jericho when Israel was coming into the promised land. Uh, the spies came in there, and when they encountered uh, Rahab, uh, Rahab the harlot, uh, they found that she'd already heard about Israel. She already heard about the great things God had done in liberating Israel from Egypt. They heard uh, She heard about them coming through the wilderness and, and all the things that God was doing through Israel. God was already bearing witness and, and moving her heart and shaping her heart into such a way that when the spies came, she was ready to believe in the God of Israel. And so we saw, uh, we see in that passage that God is working in people's lives long before another person comes to share the word of God with them. Another example is you see in the book of Acts uh, where uh, Philip uh, encounters an Ethiopian eunuch who is traveling in a chariot through the, uh, through the desert region. And he, when they come together, the Ethiopian eunuch is already reading, uh, I believe it's in the book of Isaiah, that he's already reading about Christ. And Philip just comes along and gives him that little nudge uh, to accepting Christ. But God was already working in that Ethiopian eunuch um, to prepare him to be at the place where he was willing to accept Christ. And there can be example after example, not only in scripture, but also throughout human history of people who God has already been working through, through life situations, through just tugging on their heart and different stuff like that, to get them to where they are ready to accept Christ. And so whoever that person is that you have in mind, just know God's already at work and it's God's work to bring them to the point of salvation. One more thing I just want to touch on uh, before we, we move on to the uh, another uh, point here is that no one comes to salvation um, apart from the Holy Spirit drawing them. Uh, we need to understand that even if God does choose you to lead that person to salvation, it's because the Holy Spirit is is drawing their heart, um, moving in their life to to uh, get them to the place where they're willing to accept. Uh, I just want to share uh, John six forty four. Jesus says this: No one can. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Now, notice what it said there. No one can. They are unable. It is impossible for anyone to come uh, to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ unless the Father draws them. Now, we're not going to get into a whole discussion of Calvinism and Arminianism, free will versus predestination. We're not going to get into all that, all that. But just know that no one can accept God unless the Holy Spirit, unless the Father draws them uh, to Christ. Now, regardless of where you fall with Calvinism and Arminianism and predestination and all that sort of stuff, we can all agree that salvation is a work of God. It's something that the Holy Spirit uh, and God the Father does to bring them to Christ. And so that should take a load of um, worry and stress off your heart when it comes to uh, sharing the gospel with your family members. It's not about you. It's not up to you. It's not about your skill, your knowledge, or anything like that. It's about God. So I hope that gives a great deal of comfort and encouragement uh, to you all. Now, the next thing I want you to see, and this is so important, this is another uh, thing that I see far too many well-intentioned uh, Christians overlooking, and this is respect where the person is. 
uh, wherever they may find themselves on that, that journey, either uh, towards God or, or whatever, uh, know that God is working in them and respect where God has that person at that particular time. They may be very far away from God. They don't want to talk about God. They don't want to hear about God. Or they may be right there on the edge of accepting Christ or somewhere in between. But regardless of where they are, respect the person. Now, understand this. We need to remember that that is a person, not a project. Whoever it is that God has on your heart and your mind to uh, share the gospel with, they are a person, not a project. If you treat them like a project, they will they will sniff that out immediately. People know uh, when you don't really care about them, but you just want to, you know, um, mark down one more person that you've won for Christ or whatever it may be. You need to love them, regardless if they ever accept Christ. Do you love them? Uh, will you still be there for them, even if they never accept Christ, even if they never uh, believe what you believe? We need to make sure that we love them where they are as they are. Um, that doesn't mean we need to uh, accept that they always stay there. We should always hope and pray and, and encourage them to follow Christ, but we should love them where they are. We see this time and time again in the life of Christ, uh, he loved people where they are, even if they rejected him. He was constantly praying for those who persecuted him and those who, who rejected him. He still loved them. And so we need to take that example as well. Now, a couple ways that you can do this is you need to ask questions. You need to find out what they believe. You need to find out where they are. So often I see Christians who are so quick into telling other people what, what they believe, tell other people what they need to do, that we never take the time to find out where that person is. And the only way to do that is if you ask questions and then listen. Listen to what they believe. Listen to what they believe about God. You may, you don't have to agree with it. Oftentimes you probably won't agree with it. Listen to how, what they think about the church and about scripture and about, uh, you know, eternity and all those things. Ask those questions and, and just listen to them. And hopefully as you ask and you listen, uh, they will also want to know what you believe. And that will open up the opportunity for you to talk to them and share with them your belief. And the beauty of that is that they will be inviting you uh, to share those things. But when you just bombard them with your beliefs, uh, then that can really push people away because you've never taken the time to know where they are. So often we think that every unbeliever uh, is you know, a certain way. They, they don't believe in God. They don't believe in scripture. They don't believe in morality or, or anything like that. Well, that's not the case. There are some people who are, who believe that there's a God. Maybe they just have some questions uh, that they need answered before they can accept Christ. Or maybe they've encountered some hardships in the church and it pushed them away from Christ. You, the only way you're going to know those things and know where to begin with them is to ask questions and listen to them. And here's the other thing. Regardless of where they are, don't push people towards Christ. Respect where they are and respect where, how far they're willing to go. Um, if you begin, if, if you begin having the privilege of having one of those gospel conversations and you're talking with that person, you're talking with that person, you're, you're talking about God, you're talking about Christ, all those sort of things. And then all of a sudden you can see they're beginning to shut down. They don't want to talk anymore. Don't force that door open. Respect that, you know, they're, they're done with the conversation. They're done at that point. And just leave it open-ended to where if they want to pick that conversation back up, they can. But when you force a conversation on someone who doesn't want to open up that part of their life, then you are closing off any future conversations you may have with them. Rarely, if ever, will you find 
a situation where you have one conversation with the person and they're immediately willing to change their whole life and accept Christ. More often than not, it's a series of conversations. It's a series of moments in your relationship where they trust you more and open more of their life up to you so that you can speak those um, uh, those gospel words to them. And so don't push the conversation. You know, I've used the example time and time again just because I, I think it's such a a, a clear-cut example of, of this in the life of Christ, but that is where Jesus spoke with the rich young uh, man who asked how he could go to heaven. Jesus told him, hey, listen, uh, sell everything you have and come follow me. And the rich young man walked away and Jesus didn't chase him down. Jesus didn't, you know, haggle with him or, or push the, the decision anymore. He just laid it out there for him and, and respected that person's desire to either follow Christ or not follow Christ. And if anyone had a heart for someone to accept him it's christ christ wants everyone to be in a relationship with him but christ also respects us enough to allow us the free choice to decide to follow him or not so don't push those conversations and those decisions on people but respect when they open up their life to have that that talk and and when they shut it down they don't want to have that talk now we're going to answer in just a little bit what do you do when they do shut down? You're not able to have those gospel conversations that I know many of you want to have, but sometimes we need to just uh, step back. Because remember, even if you can't have that conversation with someone, know that their eternal destiny does not hinge upon you talking to them about Jesus. Again, it's not about you. You don't save anyone. God is doing the work, and God can save that person. God can work in that person's life, even if he doesn't use you. So don't force that door open. When God works in that person's life and allows you the opportunity to speak, speak. When he doesn't, then just sit back and trust that God is still working in their life. But we're, we're going to touch a little bit on that uh, in just a little bit. But the next thing I want you to notice is that you need to focus on your heart, not on the whole salvation process, not on um, every conversation that you have with an unbeliever doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to pray with that unbeliever uh, so that they accept Christ. Maybe you just have a small portion of their journey towards Christ, and that's okay. You focus on your part that God has given you to do and allow him to do his work, maybe using other people or other circumstances. Now, a great um, verse of scripture that hits on that is in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 5 through 7. It says this, Who then is Paul? And who then is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believe, as the Lord gave to each. Now, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then, neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now, again, Paul just laid out everything that we've pretty much uh, been talking about up until this point. He says, listen, who am I? Who's Apollos? Who are any of us? We are just tools that God has used, ministers that God has used, whom through uh, you have believed. But God's the one who does the work. God's the one who gives the increase. God's the one who does the harvest. And so, again, to apply it to us, who am I? Who are you? Who are any of us when it comes to leading someone else through Christ, uh, to Christ? We're just tools that God may use. And he, God has a an assortment of tools and options that he can use to guide someone to him. And so God may use you just to plant a seed. Maybe that's to, to share a word or insight or 
or to answer a question or ask a question or maybe just spend time with and encourage and invest your life in someone and that's just planting a seed as they see Christ in you maybe that's that little seed like man every time I hang out with Jim man, he has that hope he has that there's just a peace about when everything else is crashing out around everyone else uh, they're freaking out but but Jim seems to have a peace where does that come from and 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 we need to make sure that we live our lives in such a way that we're planting those little seeds as we go about. We, we saw um, previously where it, it showed uh, how God has given us the great commission that uh, go therefore, that basically as we are going, as you're living your life, you're planting those little seeds as you go about. And that's perfectly fine. Maybe that's what God wants you to do with your family members, or maybe you're watering that seed. Maybe someone else has planted some seeds, some insights, some, some curiosity that someone has in Christ, and your job is just to water, to encourage that, to, to follow up and to break down some of those barriers. You know, uh, I, I've encountered some individuals who have had some really um, difficult experiences uh, with Christianity uh, in churches, or, you know, when I was in college, I come across individuals who um, had been on a college campus and they had, um, you know, an evangelist that were, was shouting judgment and condemnation and God's wrath at people. And it really kind of pushed a lot of people off. But then as I spent time with some of these individuals and they got to interact with me and, and I interacted with them, uh, they saw that not all Christians are like that. Not all Christians um, are judgmental. Not all Christians are uh, condemning and, and angry and things like that. And so that's kind of watering those seeds and it breaks down those stereotypes that sometimes people have of Christianity and it opens them up to consider more of who Christ is and what Christianity is really all about. Maybe that's what God wants you to do with some of your family members. And then sometimes you get the blessing of being able to reap a harvest. Maybe there are a lot of other people who have paved the way for that person to make the decision and then you get to reap the, the blessings and the joy of being able to see that person accept Christ. Wherever you may find yourself, that's okay. Uh, just know that it's a, not about you. It's about Christ. He's doing the work. He just uses us uh, sometimes in that process to accomplish that work. And that's perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with that. And then the other uh, point that I'd like uh, to make real quick is that you need to use your style or your giftedness when it comes to talking to other people. Um, listen, God has created you in a specific way. There, there's no one quite like you. Uh, you have a giftedness. You have certain experiences in your past that you bring uh, to those kinds of conversations. And you're not going to share Christ with someone else the way I share Christ with someone else. And I'm not going to share Christ the way someone else might share Christ. And there is no right or wrong way in those things. It's just your way that God has called you. And you don't need to try to um, uh, try to force yourself into another person's mold of how to share Christ. Because then uh, you cheat yourself and you cheat others of the blessing that only you bring to that endeavor. And so I encourage you, be you in those moments. Bring all the, all your personality, all, all of how God has, has crafted you to that. Uh, you wouldn't use a hammer to take out uh, a screw and you wouldn't use a screwdriver to hammer in a nail and you wouldn't use uh, a paint stirrer to, to, uh, to um, 
measure something, you know, you want you, your tools are different because they have different functions. In the same way, in the body of Christ, in the kingdom of God, each of us are a, are a tool in God's hands that is used for a specific thing. Now, uh, just to give you some examples, the Apostle Paul, he was very logical and he used arguments and, and things like that. Uh, you look throughout Paul's letters and he was very uh, detailed and meticulous and he had, you know, point after point after point and he got really deep in things. But that was very different from the way Peter was. Peter, if you look in the book of Acts with a lot of Peter's um, preaching and you even look at First and Second Peter, he was very confrontational preaching uh, preacher. He would just shoot you right between the eyes, uh, hold back no punches. He would just say it like it was for better or for worse. Uh, Peter was very confrontational in that way. And you, you look at the Apostle John, the beloved apostle, uh, he was very much uh, loving and encouraging. You look at uh, one of my favorite books, First uh, John, he is very um, almost fatherly in how he ministered to others and calling people to the love of God. And so just with those three apostles, you see very different personalities, very different um, styles of ministering and, and winning people to Christ. And so bring your unique personality, giftedness, experiences, and things like that uh, into the mix. I'll give you a, a little example from my own life. Uh, as I grew up in the church, uh, I... I learned a lot of different evangelism methods and strategies and things of that nature. Uh, but a lot of them, at least the ones that I found, involved almost being very confrontational. Um, you know, going up to someone and just saying, you know, do you know if you were to die right now where you would spend eternity? That's a very abrupt way to, to jump into a conversation, talking about death and, and whether or not they were going to go to hell or not. And it never really came natural to me. And over time, I, I, I came to find that my my personality is more conversational. I, I love just talking with someone and hearing from them and, and kind of back and forth uh, type of thing. And I've learned that that's how God uses me best. When I try to force myself into a different style, I feel awkward. It comes off awkward. It just doesn't work. And I'm less effective for the kingdom of God for it. But when I embrace how God has created me and how I, my, what my personality is like, uh, then I'm much more effective. It comes across um, more authentic and God uses me better. And so find what your personality is, what your giftedness is, and use that for the glory of God. And then lastly, I would just encourage you, um, oftentimes we find ourselves in situations where we can't share the gospel with someone. We can't talk about uh, Christ with someone. Maybe they've shut that door and they don't want to hear about it or, or whatever it may be. We, it could be a work situation, um, but we just feel like that door is shut and I, I can't broach that subject with that person. I can't force that conversation on them. And, and maybe that tears you up inside. You're, you're thinking, gosh, I really want them to accept Christ. I really want to have that conversation, but it's just not happening. And I'm doing more damage than than, uh, than, than is needed when I try to have those conversations. Well, let me just encourage you with this. And I know this is going to sound really cheesy, but maybe it'll, it'll help you remember what to do in those type of situations. And, and it, my little silly phrase goes like this. When you can't share, trust prayer. Um, when you can't share Christ, trust in prayer. Um, and, and that's really important because as we said at the very outset, 
It's not about you. It's not about that other person. It's about what God is doing in that person's life. And even when you can't open up and talk to that person uh, about Christ, you can still pray for that person. And you can pray that God would open that person's heart. And you can pray that God would work in that person's situations to bring them closer to God. Um, God guides the human heart. Uh, Proverbs talks about how God holds the king's heart in his hands and directs it where he wants it to go. And so if he can direct kings and rulers' hearts, he can direct our hearts as well. And so whoever that person is that God's laid on your heart, I just I just encourage you, pray for that person. Before you have the conversation, pray. If you're able to have the conversation, keep in prayer and and, and just keep at it. God can do wondrous things through prayer. And as I was thinking through this idea of, of praying for those who are lost, a uh, uh, passage of scripture that came to my mind was in Ezekiel 37, where Ezekiel is told to prophesy over these this valley of dry bones. And as he's prophesying, he, he literally watches uh, these dried up bones of these uh, dead individuals begin to come together and, and flesh and sinew and all that sort of stuff come together. And then they, they stand up and they they begin moving around and all this sort of stuff. And he's able to see that just through his obedience to God, God can do the miraculous work of bringing life to these dried up bones where there is no life. And so I, I, the reason why I share that with you is that the main thing is you are obedient to God. You follow what God says. When he says speak, you speak. When he says be quiet, you be quiet. Uh, and as you're obedient to God, God will do the work. In Elijah's case there in Elijah 37, it wasn't really Elijah that was doing those things. It was God working through Elijah as, as Elijah was obedient to God. And so as you're obedient to God and you move when he says move, you speak when he says speak, and you stay quiet where he tells you to remain quiet, then in that obedience, God will use you to bring life where there was death. And, and, and God, I'm confident will do great things in and through your acts of obedience. So I hope that is encouraging to you. I hope that gives you some insights, some encouragement as it comes to uh, you interacting with your family members, especially your lost family members who are apart from Christ. And uh, just continue to think on those things, meditate on it, uh, pray over those things, and uh, share your insights, share your stories with me uh, as, as God uses you uh, in your relationships with your family members. So that will uh, close us out for tonight. I hope you'll join us again next week as we continue our discussion. And I hope that you have a wonderful, wonderful week. And we'll see you back here uh, next week. Take care and God bless.